Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Liz, thank you for joining us on Game Film with Dr. J. Excited you're here. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, nice seeing you on a screen. It was nice seeing you in the flesh last week at Future Proof. Excited to be here. Future Proof was a great conference and um, highly recommend it to a lot of people. We'll definitely have to maybe talk a little bit about, about that at the end. Liz, you have a great background in our industry. You've worked in different capacities as from on the sales side, but then you've also worked on uh, different capacities of the human behavior side. You have a lot of expertise in that world in applying financial planning and investment management world. So I'm excited to to talk through a lot of the different topics that we're uh, going through today. So just kick us off. What is your walkout or come out song? I always like to, to know how to, what's going to get everybody excited. This was a hard one for me because I feel like I'd be like bouncing around with like hardcore rap, but I was like, no, no, let's take nothing, it down. There's not- nothing wrong with that. Uh, Shannon, our president, she came in full blast, even played it on her phone, uh, Coolio. So, uh, all is well. Yes. Yeah. So I was thinking about it. It's uh, Whitney Houston's cover of higher love. I think that's the one I'd be bouncing into the room with. Okay. That's a good one. That's, uh, yeah. I always love when someone pulls out like a, either a, a cover or of an artist that wouldn't be the, like, you know, everyone knows Metallica and ACDC and all these are like great intros. But I yeah. love it when someone finds one that just gets them in that vibe. But awesome. Yeah, well, it's like three generations down, right? The original and then the cover and then the remix by what, Kygo? Well, I don't know how to say her name. Well, we'll definitely add that to the show notes so that everybody gets the the true cover, the the real one. So, all right. So first situation, on game film, reflection, looking back at past experiences, all those things is what's so important for our uh, conversation. So for the first one, tell me about a situation in your past. It could be with a client that you've worked with. It could be a business decision. It could even be how you got to where you are now leading a team about applying human behavior in the financial planning community. There's two different things where my mind jumps. I think where my recent success has come from, it's kind of really well-timed, is me putting a whiteboard right into my kitchen condo like just kind of visualizing everything, helping myself with my mindset, helping myself declutter my brain. But that kind of jumps to one situation in particular with when I was a wholesaler at a mutual fund company, I was prospecting an advisor and the guy, it was at the beginning of COVID and he was super kind of frantic-y, panicky about the markets, panicky about how do I show up right now when I can't even be in the room with someone, I can't be in their energy And I told him, you know, we're at a point that people are consuming so much visual content. They're consuming videos just like this. Why don't you just start recording yourself and start, you know, answering all the questions that people are asking all the time. And he was like, no, I can't do that. Why, why would I, no one, no one's going to take that. And I was like, no, no, 
I think you should record yourself. And why don't you actually just try, ask for a Zoom, ask for a FaceTime. Like that's one of the things when I started, um, when I was wholesaling at the beginning of COVID, we couldn't meet anyone. And I actually, like anyone's cell phone number that I had, I actually just clicked FaceTime and see if they would answer. And we kind of went with it right there. And like a couple guys were like, whoa, like, what are you doing? Like jumping into my FaceTime. And it's just like, it shifted things completely. And I think people started realizing like, this is the new, the new normal. We got to be face to face. We can't just be talking to each other all the time. We want to, you know, see people's gestures, see people really understand their tonality. So just leaning into that, I guess the gentleman in particular I'm, I'm speaking about is it was kind of decluttering his mind and his mindset about what he could and couldn't do. And I right. said, why? Why can't you do that? So uh, cleaning out the cobwebs and realizing that we have a lot of conditioning, you know, behind us and that we're working from programming that isn't always the way it should be. Right. No, and I love the the FaceTime thing because it makes me think of... Um... I feel like there was something, I don't know if it was on, you know, Instagram or something, but there was like almost FaceTime bombing where people would just, you know, click FaceTime instead of a phone call. And, you know, they would literally pick up and it would be a completely different conversation. People would be smiling. So it changes the whole mood of it. And I think that it's, it's, it's humorous, but it's also brilliant in some ways because it just adds that new layer of like where it could have just been a plain phone call, which there is a lot of value in phone calls over you know, just an email, but it takes it another step of, you know, you're actually seeing their face, you're communicating. And even if it was something quick, and I think that's why products like Loom or was it BombBomb, I think is the name of it. Some of those are so powerful because you get to hear the tone in their voice. You get to see some mannerisms of people. I love that. No, I think that's such a cool situation. And in that same vein, I don't know if they're still kind of prominent, but a firm called Video Ask. Kind of like a survey funnel that you can go through depending on what the person answers they get another video that's relevant to what they just answered so you know just helping people get to know you Mm -hmm. before even meeting you kind of shifts the conversation you build rapport even though like it's one-sided at that point and they're ready to go so i like where things are shifting no i agree with it i mean we've had many conversations on the human behavior side so uh to keep us focused, we could go down so many rabbit holes of that. But one of the things, what was that a was that a foundational from that conversation where you wanted to start to tilt more towards that human behavior side? So it's not necessarily human behavior. It's I hate this line because everyone says it, you know, meeting people where they're at. You know, I kind of roll my eyes to it because it's just like it is what it is. It's like saying but culture. It, it, <laughs> everyone's yeah, culture. Just, if everyone's culture was so great, wouldn't everyone just love their jobs? But up. Go ahead. So I think where the shift was is, you know, I was wholesaling mutual funds. It's a space that, you know, unfortunately the writing was on the wall, but like it's commoditized, you know, you can get one great global equity fund from this shop and another great one from this other shop, but it's all about the human connection and what is that person doing for you specifically? So what I would say is just listening, asking questions and just kind of shutting up and letting people divulge what are their actual pain points and helping them where they're at. So whether it be, you know, their website, whether it be their team culture, whether it be how they're speaking to their clients, like it really, when you realize that you have so many different tools that you can pull from and you're not limited with just like, you know, the thing that you're selling, mm-hmm. you know, shift the conversation, help people what what they actually need today, rather than, you know, focusing on what the agenda you set for that conversation was, because you have no clue. 
they might not be in the right headspace to have the conversation that they even scheduled with you. You know, maybe they just, you know, got in an accident or they, one of their employees is going through something and they just need some space, like holding space for people for wherever they're at is I think really vital in this time of day. And like, if you think about advisors, it's a tough job, you know, they're taking on, like, I think the word is emotional contagion. They're just taking on everyone's feelings all the time and they have no outlet to actually kind of decompress. So I was just someone that could just call people and be there for them and meet them where they're at in that moment in time. And just really kind of ask those questions to understand them rather than replying. So that's kind of where my mind kind of shifts when you ask that question. No, I, I love the meeting people where you are and truly when advisors or when someone embodies that, because I think that so many times in financial services, especially people that are fans of behavioral finance, fans of the worlds that we work in, that they automatically are like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing behavioral stuff or, hey, I took this designation or certification or this class. And I'm like, I'm, and it's like, well, it's not really like that because you might have what you do with one client. It's going to be completely different with the other. And I'm a big believer in that I've had, I think if you, like you said, their website, how they're marketing themselves, all that's so important because some people want to hit you in the mouth with behavioral science. Like this, we're going to be your behavioral coach. And that is one group of people that that's what they're searching for. Or there's another group of people that are like, you know what? I wanted a financial advisor. Like I get it that I probably made some bad decisions with my investments in the past or not doing the most optimal plan or whatever it is, but I'm not there yet. And I think that a lot of advisors miss that you have to, the, the way I've always phrased is you have to stealth it in, in some situations and kind of build that rapport. And that's why I really love what you mentioned. You said something there, you don't know where the conversation is going to go. Like, don't go by your agenda, go by their agenda. I think that's really powerful. I'll let you explain why you mentioned that because I love that. I love that you're letting the client almost, yes, we have to put some parameters on the conversation because we can't just be there for five hours during the day to just, you know, have a chat and drink coffee together. But I love that you said, create some space and let them. So tell me more about letting them kind of steer the conversation. So the thing is, my mind jumps to just the quality of the questions that you ask and really just allowing people to think about their whys. Where my mind jumps is like one of the biggest objections when I wasn't as seasoned as an inside sales rep was I'm calling an advisor and they try and give me their first objection of I'm a discretionary advisor. And like at that point I was like, okay, like, so you do model portfolios? Like what, what, why is that an objection? You know? And it's just funny that people frame themselves in a way and they think it's an objection. That's not actually an objection. So it's almost like where my mind jumps to is like asking the why under that. Okay. So you're discretionary advisor. Why can't I help you? Like, why can't we find you an EM sleeve that makes sense? Why can't I do something else? It's just people have this like mindset of I'm this. So your solution won't work for this. And it's like, no, no, let's, let's get under like, okay, you're a discretionary advisor. What is it that you actually need from a person that you do business with? And that's where I got to the point of, okay, maybe they frame themselves that way because they don't want someone to be product pushing on them. But then I actually asked like, let's, the thing is, I don't have 
the agenda set right off the bat. What my impact, what I want to have at the end of the call is that they realize like, oh, shoot, this person has range. They can go deep on different subjects. We can go wherever, you know, the puck goes. And I think I need you to kind of dive a bit deeper with which direction you want me to go here. No, I love where you're going. I think that when you talk about like giving them depth, because you're using the example of when you were, I'm a firm believer in one of our prior guests, Kelly Klingeman, she has a background very similar to yours with the sales background. And I feel like there's so much value in that. And it's like behavioral finance didn't just appear out of nowhere. And I think a lot of that like consumer behavior, that's been a thing in marketing for years. Same within the sales side of it, good salespeople, you and her, I both, I think that both of you are very good saleswomen in your prior lives has been why you've been so exceptional in your careers now, because you've learned that human side. You've got to find a rapport. You've got to find trust. Sometimes I forget that I think our industry started with, you got to sell a product where that relationship building. And so the direction I, I like where you're going is that you're almost using that rebuttal from the advisor. It's so transferable to the rebuttal of a prospect as an advisor. So like how many times have we as an advisor come to a client and they're like, no, I'm good. I, I have a person or no, that's yeah. not my type of investment. And it's like, all right, now you have an opportunity to open that open-ended question and let them kind of tell you where you can fit in and where you could try to get them as a client. But that's the direction I, I'm thinking. So one thing that I would say is like, let's zoom out a little. Like who cares about behavioral finance? Like who cares about behavioral psychology? Let's think about human beings. How do you connect with people? Like that's that's what I am interested about. I'm interested about helping one person, you know, raising their vibration so they can be positive and then they can impact the five other people they deal with in the day. Like that's all I want to do is help them make their life a little simpler, easier and kind of go from there. So that's that's where I kind of think we have to kind of zoom out and we're all just people to people just having, you know, our lives struggling with what we're struggling with, having our successes, our wins. But then if we kind of, you know, double click into that mindset matters, like it, it shifts so much. It's just, it changes your complete day. Like it's just, and it's kind of crazy. Like I feel like people are going to think I'm a bit nutty by this little story that I'm going to share. No, I'm but loving this story. Keep going. I'm, so your beliefs, right? Like what you think about, it's crazy how we jump to things and we think that they're real, but they're not. So I was sitting on my balcony, just, I live in downtown Toronto. I'm in a condo. It's condo nation in this area. There's just like, you know, skyscraper, skyscraper everywhere. And for a moment, I'm like, almost like reluctantly sharing the story. For a moment, I see the bird, a bird flying around. And I'm like, this bird, this poor bird, where is he going to find a tree? He can't like, where's he going to land? He must be so tired about you know, he's just flapping his wings, trying to figure out where to go. And I, I forgot for a moment in time that he can just park himself on my balcony. He can park himself down on the concrete. But for a moment in time, I genuinely thought birds could only go on trees. And I forgot about that. So like how many times in your day to day do you believe something that is completely ludicrous and that you're like, oh, that's that's not reality. Right. Like that little little cobweb that needed to be cleaned there, you know? I um, love the analogy and it's funny because I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, tons of high rises. I, and that's tons of condos. So I get the analogy so perfectly because you'll see, and I was recently in New York city and you see something and you're like, 
what's what's going on? Like it's a it's also a big thing with when you're talking to clients, you think about how you have to break through like bad habits where you're breaking that cobweb. I also think of because my mind things in movie quotes, there was actually a scene uh, an episode in How I Met Your Mother, if anyone remembers that TV show, mm-hmm. that there was the thing where they were telling each other all their bad quirks about each other. And every time yeah. someone like clicked, the glass would break, the sound of like shh, glass breaking. And it's almost like that with clients. Like we have to break through a lot of that glass that they have these preconceived notions of whatever belief of the markets or one, what is our value as an advisor? They think that we're out here stock picking or we're Jordan Belford or Bud Fox on the phone all day telling them about the hot pick, but you're a hundred percent right that it's, and I think that you're, what you're kind of getting to in my mind, I see that is you're almost reframing for clients. You have to reframe their priorities because they come to you with one problem and it might be something completely different. So one problem, but then what's the actual problem behind the problem, behind the problem? Like, let's ask why a couple of times to get a couple of layers down. My mind just jumps to how we see the world and even the thought recently about, let's say we have an argument or we have a conversation and we say, this is the reality. You have a reality and I have a reality. That doesn't mean that they're wrong, that they, they are what they are. But essentially, you know, we just have to take a step back. And I think where advisors add value is being emotional coaches, like, keeping you actually invested, keeping you understanding on track, helping you understand what your values are, understanding what your goals are. And the thing is, it's hard to kind of keep moving towards a goal and that be the thing that you want to get to. Where I think it's more impactful is what is the state that you need to be in to continue getting to that goal? Because let's say you hit that goal, you buy that house and then you do, and then you get it and then you're like, okay, now what? Where where am I going to go now? So it's more... The perseverance is something you can ascribe to. That's what you can push yourself to be. You know, you can be a person that's resilient, that, you know, has tons of grit and that that has a growth mindset. Like these are things that I think we should work on to push forward because you can actually keep working on it and working on it and working on it and working on it and not getting to this end state of, okay, I reached this. Now what? Okay. What's the next thing? And the other thing is, is this is me just going on another tangent is. That's what we're here for, Liz. Yeah. So thinking about the goals that we have, our thoughts of what success is, where I think it's extremely important is for us to take a pause and take a look at what success actually is to us. Because let's be real, I have been programmed by television through the 90s, through the 2000s, through what my grandparents thought was success, what my mom thought was success, everyone, all these people around me, what success is to them. If you're kind of climbing that ladder and you get there and you're like, oh, I don't really feel fulfilled because if you ever take a moment to look at what actual success means to you, for me, it's impacting the people around me and just making them happy in the little ways that I can so they can then impact the people around them. Like that's what success is to me. Well, one little morsel of it. No, two things there that I want to comment on. The one, the first one would be, I love that you're talking like to focus on more, less on the end goal, but the like the system to it or to getting there, the process or the growth. Big fan of growth mindset and like the framing of like resilience. You're, you're hitting all the buzzwords that I love. Probably why we have a good friendship. There's something I, I heard the other day and it just like resonated with me on so many levels was winners and losers have the same goal. So like at the end of the day, someone that lost that game or lost to go there, 
they both had the same goal was to accomplish this, but focusing on what exactly you said, the system, the process, the, you know, the growth in it, that that's where you're going to find all the gold and all of the positive side of it, because you're going to become better. You're going to update beliefs. You're going to see the world through a different light. You might learn something that you completely thought was wrong. And now you're like, wait a second, I was wrong and that's okay. Morgan Housel, one of my favorite things that he always says is that he always, he likes to be able to have like where he can update his beliefs. He has some very fancy word for, because Morgan Housel is a great author uh, and writer, but he is always updating his beliefs on certain things. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's truly somebody that's where you want to be. You want to be where that, that mindset of where you can constantly iterate. And the other thing that I was going to mention where you talked about success, I think that that's overlooked because people think it's too simple of a question, but I think that there's so much value in that. And just like you said, give people space early in the conversation of relationship with a, with a prospect or a client, just proposing questions around that to plant the seed because you're a hundred percent right. We've had these in-depth conversations about how things that influence our identity, where you have a lot of times there's a thing called, uh, I remember one of our conversations in about identity foreclosure, where people are assuming this is who you are. This is what should be important to you. This is what should be success or happiness for you. And that might not be anything of what you truly want. And so I love that because I think sometimes people in our industry want to make this huge, elaborate, fancy question, but a lot of times the most basic question is the best because then it's going to have people start to reflect and you got to push them. You got to push clients on that and be like, what does that mean to you? And like you just said, it's, there's probably like two or three layers back where you're going to find the good stuff and you're going to find out what's really important to them. But that first response is going to break down that door and be like, you know what? Maybe this isn't what I want to be doing. Maybe this isn't what's going to make me happy. Well, helping them dig a little deeper of like, when did you decide that that was success? Let them reflect on like what environment were they in, what situation, who were the people around them that were influencing that. If those people around them that were influencing them at that time that you've like abandoned them or kind of grown out of them, maybe we got to update this, right? Like you got to think about it a bit differently and keep revisiting it because we are changing creatures. It's kind of funny how much we reflect on our past and are like, oh, look how much I've shifted. But the other thing that like my mind jumps to is like in the future, how much we don't realize that even what we're trying to achieve in the future, it's almost like we think we're going to be a static state of who we are right now, then in the future. And like, let's be real. We're going to be like six, seven different people from then. We're, we're going to evolve over and over and over again. So I think it's just really a worthwhile practice for advisors to kind of dig in deep into these sorts of things and help people realize that. Maybe what people are thinking is not actually what is beneficial to them. It's not going right. to actually help their satisfaction and it's not going to drive them to a place that they feel content about their life. No, I agree. And I have one question uh, before we go to close out of here. So how with all these things, like you have a very deep knowledge of the client experience, advisors, mindset, all of these things. How do you see some of this helping with that, what I call the advisor implementation gap or the action intention gap? And so basically when we propose something or like when you were coming in as a as a wholesaler and you're like, hey, you should use this. And they're like, no, 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 no. 
But by doing some of these things that we've talked about in the last 30 minutes, how do you think it helps? How, how do you see it helping with that implementation? Because I find that is such a huge gap for advisors. It's hard for people to kind of grasp and take, take in what you're sharing, right? They're like, okay, you say this, but does it have any weight? For me personally, I pull from my life experience all the time. I pull from, uh, you know, I'm not going to go too deep, but I pull from my two sisters and my mother and the experiences I have with them and how they reflect on money, how they reflect on change. And I just really try to humanize this in a tangible way that people can be like, oh, she actually gets it because she's reflected on how to help. My family's going to listen to this. They're like, really, Liz, you think you're helping us that much? I'm like, how to help you know, shift their mindsets and just like pull from your own experience to be vulnerable enough to be like, I've gone through this, right. you know, and in that situation, I was able to reflect on this, that and that I shared this information with them. And then we all kind of updated our thoughts around this maybe one concept. I know I'm kind of like talking fluff in the air here, but no. it's just, I really think it's just drawing on what you know, that helps people. First off, you're building rapport. Right. Secondly, you're kind of helping people realize that you're human and that you're just like everyone else because people don't want us and them. They want to work with us. Yeah. You know, we're, we're the same people and understanding that our lives aren't all kind of perfect. We're trying to figure it out as we go as well. I think where it shifts and I help people kind of get to doing something is like, look, I went through this. I went through these stages and it helped me personally in this way. You know, maybe it doesn't help you, but why don't we think about the last time you made a big decision? What were the systems? What were the questions? What was it? Who were the five people that you called during that time when you were trying to make that decision-making process that helped you kind of move towards an actual, like what catalyzed you to do something? Right. So I think personal experience, who are people that are relatable, that have done the thing that you're trying to do that you can call on and kind of harvest all their gems, their learnings, what they've done. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, you answered it beautifully. And honestly, there's two things in there that I found so much value in is one, I, I don't think we could say it enough, especially in our industry. And I think you and I embody this is like, I'm sitting here in a basketball Jersey in personal finance. And both of us are in a very conservative industry. I should be in my suit and tie every day, every, all day long. And so, I mean, you yep. can't see here, but I also have some, you know, some sneakers on. So it's to throw another curveball into it. But I think one thing you mentioned there is even if you don't, as an advisor, have all the training yet, or you're working towards it, or you're trying to become a better advisor, just be your authentic self and just be a good, like, just be an empathetic, just be present in that situation and be real with them and be a, just a true person and not trying to be this bigger than life. Like I'm this person, this is my firm or I'm an advisor, I whatever. Like you hesitated. You were going to say, be a good person. Just be good. <laughs> be what you want to see in the world. It's easy as that, right? Like you. It you is. Know? And it's just being your genuine self. I think that that's, if I had to put it in one is be your authentic and genuine self when you're in those situations. And a lot of times that is gold will come out of that and a good outcome and stop worrying about like, oh, I've got to organize or uh, meta game this whole situation. But then the other thing that you mentioned that I found so so valuable and is I think something that advisors should ask a question about is you said last time you made a big decision, who were the five people you spoke to? And so I find that so enlightening because now you know 
who is influencing their money decisions, who's influencing just in big decisions in general. And now that just opened a whole nother door of like, all right, here's where those money messages and that money influence is coming from. So I see that's a powerful question. And I think that people might ask it and just like throw it to the side, but that list of two to three, five, whatever the number is, can show so much of where now their decision-making is being reflected on. In my head, I know if I see the, I have a PC, the blue screen of death on my computer, I know who I'm calling. I know that when the random light comes up on my dashboard or my car, I know who I'm calling. I know when, you know, I want to figure out what I'm wearing for a date or something. I know who I'm calling, like kind of having those people right in the back of your mind, like it makes it easier. You don't need to always figure it out. There's people that are smarter in different specialties. Figure those people out who are in your life and have them on speed dial. Call them up. I uh, 100% agree. And that even validates more of why why having an advisor is so important. Because if, yeah. if it's not what you enjoy doing and you find value and engagement and flow and all that from it, then find somebody that is an expert in it so you can go do the things that you love. So to close us out, I have uh, my favorite closing question and it's kind of a a play on the opposite direction. And so it's, what is the worst advice you've ever received? This one is going to, yeah, no, I know it. I know it. And you don't have to name names of anybody, but (laughs) I'm kidding. So the worst advice, and it's funny because it's double-sided because I do think perseverance is really important, but someone telling you stick with it. I think knowing when to quit Knowing when to kind of count your losses and move on to the next project, to the next thing, to the next thing is the flip side of what you should do. I have like 12 different books I'm reading at the same time, right? And I'm like trying to finish them all. And sometimes like I just have this issue of like, I need to finish the book. Yeah. You don't. It's not. It wasn't even a good book. Move on. So stop sticking with it. Figure out which ones like you can kind of just throw the towel in and move on to the next thing. And uh, I feel like I'm saying this, but I take my own advice a lot of the time for that. But so stick with it is uh, what I would say is some of the worst advice at times. I love it because I am full agreement of the sunken cost of if something is just I'm right there with you. I have a problem with the same thing. And I think others will, too, that it's almost like a bad TV show. I will, if I have like four episodes left and I'm like, well, I just got to know what happens. Like, and it's, I'm not going to pay attention and it's going to waste those four hours or two hours, however long the episodes are. And so the same with books, the same with projects, there's so many things that it's like, we just need to find the right place and quit and move on and move on to something that's better for our time. I think there's so much value in that. And also just holding some space for like, reflecting on what you did learn from that, that thing that you think, like, honestly, just changing our mindset about failure. Failure means that you actually tried doing something. That's a good thing. You know, like not even coming up to the plate is the problem, but trying and realizing, okay, it's not for you. I think that that's, that's a really tough skill and I'm working on it for myself. I think we can all learn from that. And I think that's a perfect way to finish. So I appreciate you, Liz, coming to join us and I appreciate you sharing all the the stories and your insights. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. 
Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.